Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining today's conference call. I'm Jim Doyle with Business Forward, and I'll be moderating our conversation today. Currently, all lines are in listen-only mode. We're pleased to welcome Jake Sullivan, co-chair of National Security Action. He is here to discuss the importance of protecting the independence of our courts and the Justice Department. This will be an interactive briefing, so after this presentation, we'll have time for questions. For those of you who are new to our programming, Business Forward organizes local roundtables, Washington fly-ins, conference calls, webinars, and media trainings. We've helped more than 150,000 business leaders brief policymakers on issues affecting their businesses and how Washington can work with business to accelerate our economy. Today, more than 600 mayors, governors, members of Congress, and senior administration officials have participated in our programming, and this is all thanks to the support of more than 60 of America's largest and most respected companies. Before we get started, I want to cover a couple of housekeeping items. First, um, there'll be time for questions and comments. You can participate in two ways. You can press 1 at any time on your dial pad to be entered into the queue to ask your question live, or you can email the question to us at info at businessfwd.org, and I'll read it aloud. Again, you can press 1 uh, on your dial pad or email the question to us at info at businessfwd.org. Uh, please include your name, business, and location in your message if you type or email your question. Finally, this call is on the record and there may be reporters present. Uh, with that, let's get started. Uh, Jake, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, please go ahead. Thank you, Jim, and thanks everybody for joining the call. Um, you know, when we originally thought about doing a call along these lines, we had in mind talking more broadly about the role of the courts in an independent judiciary in safeguarding uh, America's very strong, indeed sterling reputation uh, as a destination for investment, as a place that people could feel secure in starting and growing a business, uh, as a place where the rest of the world could feel like they could deal with us as an effective counterpart in trade deals and other commercial arrangements, and that the bedrock of all of that uh, is the separation of powers, the independent judiciary, and an independent role for law enforcement to make sure that, you know, we're, we're a country of institutions and of laws and not of men. Um, obviously, all of those basic themes remain incredibly important and pertinent, but uh, we have a, before us an immediate uh, situation that is quickly reaching a crisis point, and that is the removal of Jeff Sessions as Attorney General and the installation as Acting Attorney General uh, of Mr. Whitaker, who is not himself a Senate-confirmed official in the Justice Department, but rather was simply appointed as the Chief of Staff and then elevated to being acting, even though there is a duly uh, a confirmed deputy, Rod Rosenstein, and a number of other duly confirmed officials in the Justice Department. And the question is, why? Would Mr. Whitaker be the person selected for this? And the answer is transparently obvious that it's because uh, the White House and the president have judged that he will do their bidding when it comes to the Mueller investigation uh, and potentially to other legal exposure that the president and people around him may have. Now, Trump has repeatedly referred to wanting an attorney general who is, quote, my attorney general my guy in the Justice Department, my Justice Department. And the key thing here is the Attorney General is the Chief Law Enforcement Officer for the United States. He or she is not the President's lawyer. They're America's lawyer, and they uh, are supposed to represent the best traditions of independence and fiduciary responsibility to the American people writ large, not to serving the interests of the President. 
where this comes home to roost in uh, the current context is that um, uh, Jeff Sessions had been recused from oversight over special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian activities in the 2016 election. That, that investigation was being overseen by Deputy uh, Rod Rosenstein. Now, with Whitaker taking over as acting AG, it is possible that he takes control of that investigation from Rosenstein and runs it himself. And under the regulations that are relevant to the special counsel, the attorney general has the right to block further substantial investigative steps that Mueller might want to take. That could include subpoenas. That could include uh, indictments. Uh, that could include any other of the major ways in which Mueller would be chasing down leads related to Russian activity in 2016 and potential Trump campaign uh, or Trump associate coordination or support for those Russian activities. So uh, as we speak right now, Whitaker is trying to decide whether, in fact, he is going to take over the investigation or um, if he's recused from it. But it certainly looks like his intent is to put himself in a position to to take over uh, and thereby have the power, whether he exercises it or not, to either just cut off the Mueller investigation or to kill it by a thousand cuts by simply denying and depriving the Mueller investigation of the authority to go forward with investigative steps or to remove its resources uh, as we go. Now, as you all know, uh, the Mueller investigation has already produced a significant number of indictments and guilty pleas of individuals and entities related to the 2016 election. There are also ongoing uh, cases under indictment that uh, have not yet resulted in legal conclusions and guilty pleas or, or convictions. Whitaker, if he wanted to exercise the full extent of his authority, could, of course, simply shut all of those down, whether or not they rest with special counsel Mueller now or have been farmed out to uh, U.S. attorneys in the District of Columbia or New York. He has the power not just to shut down Mueller, but to shut down uh, those processes as well, if he so chose. A last key point in all of this, and it comes back to the point that I was making about whether uh, it's even appropriate or lawful for Whitaker to be appointed in the first place. The Office of Legal Counsel of the Justice Department released a an opinion today saying that, yes, even though Whitaker has not been confirmed by the Senate for any role in the U.S. government today, he can nonetheless be the acting attorney general leapfrogging over all of the Senate-confirmed officials currently at the Justice Department. That is going to be challenged in court because the Constitution appears to be pretty clear that, in fact, uh, someone like Whitaker, who's in a mere staff role, cannot be elevated into the attorney general's position. And the last precedent that the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel cites in its opinion today is from the mid-1800s, before there even was such a thing as the Department of Justice. So they're resting on pretty thin ground. Why does all of this matter? This matters because, number one, uh, the Mueller investigation has already produced a great deal of evidence about malign Russian illegal activity in our election, has raised questions about the participation of U.S. persons as well, and has to be allowed to proceed to its conclusion, because this is not a matter of Democrats or Republicans or politics or the horse race. This is about the national security of the United States, an attack on our democracy in 2016 
and the need to get to the bottom of what exactly happened and who is responsible for it, both so that we can have accountability for the past, but also so that as we head into 2020 and the next presidential election, we know what we're up against and how to defend ourselves against future Russian attacks on our democracy. But then secondly, and just as vitally, a move like this would dramatically undermine the public's confidence in the rule of law in the United States and the idea that no one, including the president of the United States, is above the law. And if the president and Whitaker take this step and shut down or dramatically curb the Mueller investigation, it will have reverberating effects not just across the United States, but to that international reputation the United States has built over two centuries about this being a place where anyone can do business, anyone can count on a fair shake, anyone can rely on an independent uh, law enforcement and judicial system, and all of that will be cast into some doubt. And so I think it's imperative that people who don't have a direct connection in this investigation don't follow it every day, but rely upon the predictability, security, uh, and value of having a, a, an independent uh, criminal justice and law enforcement and court system uh, to speak up and basically say enough's enough. And there will be a number of organizations in Washington that will be working along these lines to try to stop this from moving forward. And in addition, you've already had Republican senators come out on the Hill and say they would be prepared to support legislation, bipartisan legislation in Congress that would protect Mueller and, and strip the executive of the power to fire him or to otherwise unduly constrain his investigation. That is another step for all of us, anyone who's interested in having a, uh, a strong and predictable separation of powers and uh, and safeguarding the reputation of the United States should also get behind that as well. Um, so I will I will leave it at that as an opening laydown of what we're up against, what the stakes are, and what it looks like the next steps could be. And turn it back over to Jim uh, for his thoughts, and then happy to uh, hear any comments or answer any questions that people might have. Thanks, Jake. Uh, just first, just to follow up on the uh, the suit that uh, is likely to be filed uh, about Whitaker, what would you? How quickly would something like that um, uh, happen? And which court would the, the the claim be made to? Uh, is there is there a, is there a is there one publicly known? Uh, is there one of these cases? Yes. Yeah, so the Attorney General of Maryland has announced an intent to file suit. I don't know whether he's actually filed the papers yet. Uh, and will claim standing based on the fact that the Attorney General presides over a whole range of things that implicate the interests of the state of Maryland. At the same time, you can expect, I think, suits being filed by potential criminal defendants or subject to criminal investigation or civil investigation um, who will say, I have an interest in making sure that the DOJ, which is, you know, investigating me or dealing with me in some way is led by someone who is constitutionally competent to hold the, the position of acting attorney general. So I think you can expect to see a number of different suits likely to be filed uh, in federal court, um, probably in multiple jurisdictions, and um, a judge will have to decide fairly rapidly uh, what the Constitution says on this and then what the Vacancy Reform Act, which is the main statutory framework around this, says on this and make a judgment as to whether, in fact, there has been constitutional impropriety in putting Whitaker into his position. That's going to be happening at the same time that Whitaker is getting an opinion from the ethics officials within the Justice Department 
as to whether or not he should be recused from the Russia investigation, which in a way would defeat the whole purpose of what Trump did here to put him in in the first place. I anticipate he'll find a way around that, but it is possible that we end up in the irony that Trump removed one attorney general because he was recused only to pick another attorney general who may be recused. And, and the thing that's driving the recusal question is that Whitaker has made a number of you know, somewhat outrageous claims publicly on the record, basically saying he thinks the Russia investigation is BS, it should be stopped, actually identifying a bunch of ways in which he could starve it of resources or otherwise hamstring or harm it. So he has clearly uh, indicated that he is not an unbiased observer in this circumstance. So the, the recusal question should be obvious, but we're dealing in uncharted territories at this point. Uh, we'll open up for questions and comments. Uh, if you have a question, please press 1 on your dial pad to speak live, or you can email your question or comment to us at info at businessfwd.org. Again, please remember to introduce yourself with your business and where you're calling from. Uh, our, our first question is from Stephen Kirksey uh, in Georgia, and he asks about um, rumors that uh, Whitaker could uh, undermine the investigation by cutting off funding. Are these true? Yeah, I briefly made reference to this. Um, the short answer is we don't entirely know how much scope he will have to do that immediately because the budget for Mueller has been set. It's, he he is, has funds he can tap for a period of time, but we don't know exactly how long. And so there will come a moment, it could be sooner, it could be later, where the acting attorney general would have the power to start this investigation of resources. And that is one of the ways that Whitaker has himself publicly proclaimed before he was put in this position that he would try to thwart the investigation. So the answer is yes, that is a distinct possibility. That's a way for him to basically say, we're not going to spend any more taxpayer dollars on this um, without firing Mueller, essentially rendering the investigation inert not really being able to move forward. So it's one of the things that we have to look out for as a possible means of choking off Mueller. Uh, we have a similar question from Tina Morris in New Jersey who asks about um, any uh, uh, his potential impact on subpoenas and um, potential impact on uh, indictments that may have already been issued but were sealed. Theoretically, if, if Whitaker asserts himself, says, yes, I'm the AG, and I'm taking the regulations that created the special counsel statute, literally, which require the, the special counsel to comply if the attorney general says no to a significant investigative step, uh, then Whitaker would have the power to say no more significant investigative steps on uh, period on any issue or on a particular set of issues or as it relates to the investigation of a particular individual or group of individuals. And so theoretically, the answer to that question is yes. Whitaker could say you cannot indict this person. You can't unseal the indictment. He could even say for indictments that have already been filed uh, and unsealed, um, you have to cease the prosecution. Uh, and um, he could further say no more subpoenas or, you know, no more going down the road vis-a-vis -vis this particular individual or set of issues. So he could go maximalist on this, which would involve putting constraints not just on Mueller himself and the, and, and the team around him, but also on the U.S. attorneys who have taken up some of these cases and are carrying the water for Mueller in 
D.C. and New York. That's at the maximum end. At the minimum end, he could simply say, um, whatever you have going right now, you can do, but nothing else. Um, or he could say, uh, you can keep looking at specific issues as they relate directly to things that actually happened in 2016, but you cannot look at Trump's financial interests. You cannot look at the historical relationship between uh, members of the Trump campaign or, or Trump associates and the Russians going back years. You have to just, that's off limits. So he's got a menu of options to choose from, from the more minimal to the more maximalist, uh, and up to and including his power not just to put constraints and curbs around the investigation, but if Mueller resists or rejects what he's saying, firing him. Um, the last thing that I would say to more of the nitty-gritty is there's been a lot of talk about the possibility of a report being issued at the end of this, a report being sent up to Congress or publicly released that lays out the full case as Mueller sees it of what happened in, in 2015 and 2016. And there's a lot uh, of reporting, though none of us have any special information on this, that Mueller has been working on this report. Under the regulations that the special counsel has put forward, um, the special counsel, the acting attorney general could just stick that in a drawer, could decide that it does not go beyond the four walls of the Justice Department. It never goes to Congress. It never goes public. And under the terms of the regulations, you know, Mueller wouldn't really have any recourse. That would be in the discretion of the acting attorney general. So another thing that he can do to frustrate and stymie this investigation is uh, to essentially uh, hide whatever report Mueller ultimately comes up with. So we've got a number of emails uh, uh, from uh, business leaders asking uh, what they could do um, and organizations that are working on this, and I'd like to try to address those uh, with just some references. We're going to be sending links to these organizations in an email with, with, when we follow up with this call. But um, uh, among the organizations working on this issue right now, um, there's a, a partnership uh, on government oversight. Uh, it's a group that focuses a lot on criminal justice reform and has been doing uh, a lot of work on the broader picture of independent judiciary. Um, uh, there's the Republicans for Rule of Law, and they've got a new uh, 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 campaign called Checks and Balances that they announced today. I will provide a, a link to that. Uh, this is this is more a, a, a matter for more conservative jurists to, to participate, uh, and that they tie they they tie it to uh, the Federalist Society meetings um, that are taking place this week. Uh, there's an organization called LawWorks um, that is working with. Uh, a lot of retired uh, U.S. attorneys uh, uh, from across the country to raise awareness about this problem. And then finally, Business Forward has been working with business leaders in our network. We've got about 1,300 business leaders that have worked with us in the last couple weeks, um, and uh, they've drafted a joint statement, which we can share with you if you're interested in signing it. Um, and before we go back to questions, just a, a quick, quick update. As part of talking to these 1,300 business leaders, we asked them to provide their own statements, um, and uh, just, as, just for a, 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 some um, context here, 
these these comments were given to us before the announcement of Sessions uh, and Whitaker. Uh, the, the the primary concern business leaders with whom we were working out raised was just corruption in general, and and what uh, the the threat of corruption could do to our economy in the in the form of lost foreign investment, lost trade, uh, lost tourism. Um, second uh, most common uh, uh, comment that we that we received was that courts are particularly important for small businesses, protecting small businesses from monopolies uh, and from government regulation. Um, the third most common uh, comment was just the big picture checks and balances, the importance of the judiciary against the, the executive and Congress. Uh, and about one out of three comments that we received uh, noted that this risk was particularly, the, 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 these three risks were particularly pronounced because of um, the current administration. In other words, uh, they're, they're, they've always worried about the independence of the judiciary, but they think that we're in a crisis right now and, and uh, we need to act. So uh, we've got a joint statement that these business leaders drafted. We're happy to share that with you. We'll be sending links to the partnership and to LawWorks and to Republicans for the Rule of Law. And um, uh, if you have any questions, we're, we're happy to answer those. Uh, Jake, am I missing any organizations? Are there any other um, recommendations that you would make? I think you've highlighted the main groups, and, and some of those organizations will be doing their own work to organize outside voices from across the political spectrum, from many walks of life, to, to give voice to this. But the main ones, the Law Works, the New Checks and Balances Organization, POGO, and then the work, Jim, you guys are doing in Business Forward, those, those are the main groups. Um, I will stay in touch with you about other efforts, organic efforts to protect Mueller um, that can be shared with the broader membership uh, over the coming days. Uh, okay. And then, uh, Jake, we've got a question that uh, I, will, I will give to you. Uh, it's uh, from uh, Brandon Baum, um, uh, University of California, Hastings. Uh, question. The DOJ memo relies on United States v. Eaton, which, while old, looks to be on point other than it being an old case, is there contrary precedent suggesting that the appointments clause applies to interim or temporary appointments? Thank you. Well, one of the things is that there has not been um, uh, a test of this sort where you have a significant appointment as an attorney general from essentially a staff guy, you know, being elevated up to it. Uh, in an incredibly long time. And in the intervening time, you've actually had the establishment of the Department of Justice. And so um, it's sort of on point in terms of the bare constitutional analysis, but doesn't take into account the contextual factors. And by the way, um, that I think you will find that the overall view uh, of the courts about what counts as an inferior officer, and I don't have at my fingertips the precedence on this, has evolved since the cases that it cites. Um, and so I think this is going to be highly contestable in the courts uh, and that there's a reasonable chance that the courts ultimately conclude that this does go too far under the appointments clause. Um, but I, don't, I can't cite to you the specific precedent that has taken us beyond where Eaton was uh, low those many years ago. And, and Jake, uh, we've got a couple more questions on... Um, that were similar to the one that uh, I just asked. And, and while we go through uh, some others, uh, just a broad question on what you're seeing uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, the impact on our economy, foreign investment, trade uh, from um, 
uh, you know, the, the administration's uh, America First appro uh, uh, approach to uh, diplomacy. Um, how is it impacting us, and is there anything we can be doing to fix it? So, you know, one of the most human ways in which uh, the overall approach to the administration has uh, impacted the United States is a decline in tourism and people feeling like the United States is not a welcoming place anymore, uh, that increasing, increasingly hostile rhetoric by the president and the people around him are just making people think, hey, that's not a place I want to go. Then when you combine that with the tariffs that have both been already imposed and the ones that are being threatened now, uh, for example, autos with Europeans and the Japanese and so forth, um, this is not only uh, causing a chilling effect in terms of uh, how our trading partners are thinking about setting their expectations and structuring long-term deals with the United States, it's also stopping the U.S. from being able to work with our partners effectively on rules uh, and standards that can deal with some of the challenges that we're facing, you know, from the likes of China. And then finally, um, you know, when it comes to foreign investment in the United States, I think so far you'd have to say that the U.S. is very much open for business. The economy is doing well. We have a lot of goodwill to rely on. But that goodwill does not last forever. It runs out. It starts it, – it can get eroded very rapidly. And the more we raise the possibility that you just can't count on the rule of law in the United States the same way you used to be able to do, the more quickly – people's natural instinct that this is a great destination for their investment and their capital is going to change and they're going to be looking for other places to put it. And that's something that um, all of us are very worried about. Uh, there are some in Europe and in Asia and elsewhere who think, well, we just need to wait this out for four years. But I think there are more who are thinking, you know, even if, even if Trump isn't reelected or even if his sales are trimmed in some way on these issues, Something has changed in America. We just can't count on them the way we used to be able to. And we're going to need to restructure our expectations and relationships accordingly. And that has the possibility to do damage far beyond one presidential term or, or um, you know, one eight-year period. Uh, and, and that's something all of us collectively need to send a clear message to the world to say, no, the fundamentals of the United States have not changed. We are open for business. We do believe in the rule of law. We believe in honoring our words. And that can't just be left to U.S. government policy. It has to be a collective effort by all of us. Uh, Jake, we've got uh, one more question. It's from Jose Carlos Gonzalez from Houston, Texas, and it's a, it's a pretty broad one. It's, um, what is the end game of the Mueller investigation? Indictment, impeachment, upheaval? Yeah, nobody knows. That is the million-dollar question, and actually you put it in a, a very pithy way. Um, We've already had a number of indictments, and I think you can expect that there will be more indictments, including the strong possibility of indictments of U.S. persons. I think indictment of the president is not likely because uh, the prevailing wisdom, conventional wisdom, legal conventional wisdom, is that you can't indict a sitting president. And I think impeachment um, – is always a possibility, although Democratic leaders have been clear that they're not really interested in pursuing impeachment unless there's a bipartisan uh, support for it, um, which would mean 
Mueller producing something that is of such significance and such impact directly related to the president that some Republicans would come on board. Uh, so I think of the three options, indictment, impeachment, or upheaval, I would say upheaval is the most likely because what the picture that he is likely to paint is going to be a very troubling one involving not just Russian activity, but some activity by U.S. citizens as well. Uh, and that will cause a lot of debate about what, you know, how we should think about uh, what happened in 2016 and then what we should do about it going forward. Uh, Jake, thank you very much for your time. Uh, uh, to everyone on the, on, the, on the call, thank you for joining us. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, please check your email for a post-event survey, which will include links to the organizations Jake and I discussed. Um, and uh, we look forward to working with you on this issue. Um, if you have any questions, just reach out to us at info at uh, And Jake, thank you again. We really appreciate it.